You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions podcast. I am Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald, and I am all alone. There's two dogs with me, but I'm mostly alone here in the GPC studios in my house here in Manhattan, Kansas. I... I'm in quarantine. I don't think I have COVID. I had some symptoms on Monday that went away. Feel a little bit less enthusiastic about life today. Finally got my uh, my test. They stuck that swab all the way up and tickled my brain. Whew. You haven't had that done. It's a delight. And I should have results tomorrow. When you're hearing this, I should know yes or no if I have COVID. And if I do, I have a very, very light case of it, which I'm thankful for. But if you don't know, Manhattan's been hit really hard as most areas. But the football program, they don't want you to know this, but the football program came back, the guys that did come back on the team plane, the athletic administrators, and there goes COVID on the plane or something because most of them went into quarantine. And as you saw last Saturday when the radio set for the games in West Virginia where Brian Smoller and Associate Athletic Director Casey Scott, they were uh, they were short on guys that actually do the games on a regular basis. I'm fine. I'm good. I just want the guys to stay away from me. And so this week we did something that has been overdue. And I was going to have Jay Heidrich on for a special edition of the PowerCat podcast. But we just decided we're going to make this this our questions podcast for the week. And we took all basketball questions for Jay. We've got uh, – Mostly men's, some women's mixed in there as we sort out basketball as the Wildcats on the men's side are now 0-4 in conference play following a loss to TCU. And the women are coming off a really disappointing loss to ninth-ranked Iowa State, a game in which they led almost the entire way and lost down the stretch. Very disappointing. But the women are on track for an NCAA tournament berth and, and honestly a push towards the top of the Big 12 standings. As that game the other night at Bramage might have been between the two best teams in the Big Big 12 this season uh, with Aoka Lee maybe being the best player in the conference and one of the best in the nation. She might just be an All-American. We will get to all of that later in the podcast, but we are sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Make sure every time you come to Manhattan, you stop into the fridge. Every time you need liquor, if you're in the area, go to the fridge. It's worth the drive. The staff is incredibly knowledgeable. They've got experts in all the areas of the store. They've got a wine expert, a spirits expert, a beer guy. It's all all in there. A very knowledgeable and talented staff, incredibly friendly, helpful, incredible selection, great prices. The Fridge Wholesale Liquor It's just up the road for me. There's a reason why I love the Fridge, and it's not because it's close to my house. It's because they are awesome. Our segment sponsors, as always, are Tanner's and the Hilo, two incredible locally owned Aggieville businesses. Yeah, Tanner's has some outside ownership, but they have local owners too. Get into Tanner's. I love it as a sports bar. It is 
one of my favorite sports bars I've ever been in outside of Las Vegas. And uh, it's just a great place to watch the game, a great place to grab a bite. And the high-low, of course, is just a cool bar. It's just a cool bar. It's right up the road there in the building that was Scoreboard and the Purple Pig and Aggie Station. And you know the location. You can get great AJ's Pizza there at the high-low also. And they have incredible hamburgers. So make sure you check out those local businesses. Now let's press on with the Power Cat Questions podcast and bring in our one and only, our basketball analyst, Mr. Jay Heidrich. And Jay, very disappointing. Before we get to the questions from Wabash Station, your overall thoughts on the 60-57 to loss on Wednesday night to TCU. I got to admit, I kind of felt it coming as it came down the stretch. I just didn't feel good about things, and it all fell apart at the end. And TCU escaped with a really nice win for the Frogs, a horrible loss for the Cats. Yeah, you know, I saw on Twitter, Bruce said after the game that, you know, we did everything we needed to except for the last minute. And I just disagree with that completely. Um, It is when you score 57 points, yeah. you should expect that you're probably going to lose. That's just the way it goes. Yeah. And there were 39 other minutes in that game where we made bad decisions. We took bad shots. We didn't score in the last four minutes of the game. I don't think so there there's, and, and we had other gaps where we didn't score for four minutes. So the, those are, those are huge problems that need to be addressed. Okay. Let's dive into those questions from wild bass station now. Um, and it could get interesting. I have not read these. This is how it works. Jay, you listen to the podcast. The guys put together the questions and then read them. In this case, Zach got them together and sent them to me. I have not read these myself, so I'll just put you up to bat. Dr. J54, dive into how much progress you've seen the men's team make so far. Not speculation about is it enough or where it leads to. Just break down the detail. Who's getting better and in what way? That's a tough one Mm -hmm. Um, because I – I can't say that there's anyone who is consistently better. You know, there, there, are, there, there's people that who, like, I'll give Marquise Noel for example. Last night, he was really good um, at a lot of things. He made some boneheaded decisions, uh, particularly at the end of the game. But, but overall, he's been good. He, he's definitely improved. But, um, but it, it's up and down. It's two steps forward, one step back. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I'd probably put um, Marquise Noel, and, and to be fair, Mark Smith. Mark Smith has been solid all year long. He's been a warrior on the boards. Um, he's not a guy that's going to go get you 30 points a night or 20 points a night. He's had a couple breakout games where he's done well. But if we're if we're basing improvement on, I know what I'm going to get out of this kid night in, night out. I can check 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 him off that he's going to be solid. I don't have to worry about him. I would say that that, that the Mark Smith um, uh, really fits re- really fits that bill. Everyone else has just been you know hit and miss. I mean Nigel Pack is scoring in a decent clip a game, but you know he. He, he struggles on the defensive end a lot more than people think. Um, yep. And particularly last night, he wasn't very good at, at, at key times. So um, I, I would say Marquise Noel is trending up, even though it's a, uh, it's a little bit of a jagged spike, but you know, Mark Smith has just been a really nice surprise um, uh, because I don't think anyone came in and said, you know, I'm K-State's going to have a, someone who leads the league in rebounding and um, that wouldn't probably wouldn't be a shock. But if I told you it was going to be Mark Smith beginning of the year, that probably would have surprised a lot of people. So I, I'd go with Mark Smith on that. Marquise is a 
just a frustrating player for me because he does so many good things. He's like that kid that's the cool kid in school but tries too hard to be the cool kid in school. Marquise, you're a good player. Quit trying to make every big play um, because he gets himself into trouble. He did have the world's worst layup. Um, I don't think there's been a worse layup in the history of basketball than what we saw when he tripped and stumbled and threw the ball about 30 feet into the air. It was a beautiful thing. It reminded me of my game. <laughs> but those are the type of things that are so frustrating. Uh, he, he was trying to take the ball to the rim in times where the scoreboard wasn't your enemy. The clock was your enemy. You needed to run the clock and just pull it out and run the, run the game out. And if they'd done that, they probably would have won. And I'm certainly not handing this whole loss to how Marquise managed the final minutes of the game, but um, it did play a role in it. El Camino Cat, what position needs to be upgraded the most for this team to make major progress? The position of players. That's in coaching, the players and coaches, that they need to be upgraded. That's my answer. Yeah, the, the, the answer to that question is yes. Uh, <laughs> is the answer to that question. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, look, um, it's the chicken and the egg issue, right? Is this, um, my wife and I go back and forth on it, you know, is, is this a roster issue? Is it a Bruce issue? Is it a staffing issue? Is it both? Um, you know, it's, it is, it, it's a little bit of everything. We've got some decent pieces. We don't have enough of them. If you look at our roster compared to other rosters around the league, compared to Texas Tech, compared to Texas, compared to, heck, Iowa State's, you know, um, we, we don't have the level of playmakers across the board as other um, as other teams do. And when you don't have playmakers, you have to have a system that allows kids to thrive in a way to where they don't have to be playmakers. And that's on the coach. And we don't have that. So, um, you know, we've got um, okay players running a below average system leads to, you know, seven and 33 in your last 40 games. And now when you have Barry Brown and Dean Wade and Kamal Stokes, um, that's a pretty good system because those guys can make any system work really well. But we don't have those guys. And so I, I, there just needs to be a total refresh in a lot of different areas. Plus, they were so accustomed to the system. We've seen so much turnover in this coaching staff, or excuse me, in this roster that the, the coaches can't possibly have the players at peak performance when you've got half a new roster every season, particularly on the defensive end. Bruce loves the defensive end. I get it. But they're just not going to be up to his standards when you're turning over the roster the way they do. I find it um, just so frustrating that they did upgrade. I feel like they are better. Uh, but it just wasn't enough. And that gets us to the next question from Get Out More Cat. Has the Big 12 ever been this good? And I, I don't feel like I'm living in the moment or, you know, I'm dealing with some recency bias when I say this is the best I've ever seen the conference. They have the best, best collection of teams that are at Kansas level, along with other teams that are worthy of postseason play. And that might include everyone right now, except K state. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, as frustrated as we are as K state fans, no one's lining up to say, I want to play K-State, that's going to be an easy win. You know, um, the last two years, they were probably saying that, and they were probably right. I mean, this is this is not a terrible team, um, but it is um, going to look like a bad team in this conference because the conference is so stacked. And 
fair or unfair, it is what it is. Um, and if you want to compete, that's when you take a job in the Big 12 or you signed up to play in the Big 12, um, you know that you've got the person in the orange and white or the red and blue or the crimson and gold uh, staring at you on the other side. Um, and it, there are no nights off in this conference. It is unrelenting. I mean, TCU is, is not a great basketball team, but they got some dudes, yeah. you know, and, and they got some, some guys that are athletes. They can rebound and they made plays. They, they played, I thought they played harder than us last night. Um, so yeah, it's, um, I've, I've never seen the conference this good. And, you know, I came from a time when, you know, Paul Pierce, Jacques Vaughn, um, you know, all those guys were, were, were running through, uh, the big 12 and I, this, this is just ridiculous how talented this league is right now, but it makes it for a lot of fun. I mean, just a high, high, high level of basketball at the conference right now. Yeah. I mean, you got to keep up your house to fit in your neighborhood. Yeah, you know, I mean, yep. that, they just happen to be living in a high-end neighborhood right now, and, and K-State is the shabbiest house in the block, which is good in real estate, I guess, but not so good when you're trying to win basketball games. Um, but it's not a, but it's not a, but it's not a bad house either. That's no, the other thing. It's no. just not, not not as nice as everyone else's. Right, and, and honestly, and we'll get into the next four games because it's just unbelievable what K-State is facing. But at the end of the month, before it turns to February, they get to go to Mississippi, take on Ole Miss, which I think will be a valuable measuring point for the program just to see, okay, let's look out of the, let's look out of this conference for a second and see how they stack up to a team that looks fairly comparable from the SEC. And I think that the challenge series this year is going to be just fascinating to see if the big 12 dominates it, or if the SECs really improve themselves as much as it appears they have some dude uh, named Riley Gates has asked a question. Don't know. Skip, skip pass, hard okay. pass. Uh, well, it's a pretty good question though. Is five and 13 too optimistic at this point for a big 12 record? And he adds, good God, I just typed that. Didn't I? Five and thirteen. I don't see it happening right now. I just I can't. I can't wrap my mind around it because I think they're staring at zero and eight as a start. Yeah, I know. I think that that's the ceiling. I think that if you want to be optimistic, yeah. I mean, that's if 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 your optimism is this is what I hope we can do. I think that that's possible. Um, you know, they're going to win. They're going to win some games that they shouldn't. Um, it happens every year. Um, you know, they they've got a chance to. For example, they'll they. I suspect that they'll beat Oklahoma at home. Um, they got a chance to sweep Oklahoma Oklahoma State. Um, uh, regardless, of the fact that they lost in Manhattan, I think they can beat. TCU in Fort Worth. Um, and then it's just trying to find one somewhere else. So, you know, I don't, I, I think if you want to be optimistic, I think five is optimistic, but again, I think five is probably your ceiling. Woodstock cat wants to know following up on that. Does this team play better without Bruce Weber? I did. I, I got to admit, I like some of the things I saw from the team in the two games that they were shorthanded and missing coaches. I thought they came out more relaxed and flew it on offense. I mean, how they scored 40 points in the first half at West Virginia and 57 against TCU in a total game. I, and I don't think we stare at, at TCU and say, wow, they're, they're so much better on defense than West Virginia. I don't think that's the case at all. Uh, is there something to be said about the team seems to play tight at certain situations with Coach Weber? I mean, it's a small sample size, but you can't ignore it. 
at all. Um, it is they uh, they clearly came out, and you and I talked about this uh, over text. You know, they they look much looser um, when when in the two games Bruce was gone. And maybe, maybe they, it was because no one expected him to win. There was no pressure, but you know, there Bruce overcoaches in my opinion. And I've never been a college coach, but just, just imagine your boss standing over your desk, yelling at you all the time saying, type this, send that letter, make sure you do this over here. Go ahead. I mean, my goodness, it just, it, it's, it's, it, it's one of the things that just makes the game hard to watch. And if it's hard to watch, then it's going to be hard to play. Um, and cause you can try to drown them out all you want, but it's, it's still there. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's something to be said for that. I, I, I can't, affirmatively say 100% the kids play better without Bruce, but I don't think you can rule it out either. Yeah, I got to admit, and, and this this sounds like just Bruce bashing, but I don't intend it that way. Watching those two games on television, Texas and, and West Virginia, um, it, it was more enjoyable. There just wasn't that kind of underlying sound of Bruce yelling constantly from the sideline, and I don't know how you play with that. I I mean, like you said, you've never coached. You've played at this level. I've never come close to playing at that level. But just have being so micromanaged all the time, how do guys not get tight, constantly worried they're not doing what coach wants? Well, their instincts are pointing them one way, but coach is saying do something. I, I'm just overwhelmed by it, watching and listening. I can't imagine being on the court. And I think one of the things as players grow into the system, and, and we saw it, we've seen it a couple times now, they really do learn to tune it out, but it takes a while because it's constant. Well, it's unbelievable. I've never heard anything like it. Well, it's it, you go uh, it, it, completely different, obviously, but it's the same in a lot of different ways. Is um, coaching my son's ten-year-old basketball team? You know, he's he's going down the floor, and there's a kid open on a fast break across the court, and I'm yelling at him to pass it, and he jumps up to pass it, and he looks at me and then turn, ends up traveling, turn the ball over, and my wife, who my wife and I co-coach, um, she comes up to me, she goes, Jay, she saw, he saw them, he saw them, he knew, he knew he was open, but you distracted him from making the play, just let him play, and there's a lot of validity in that, and I think that that goes to the same thing with Bruce, too, is you know, trust your kids. Uh, you, you practice, you know, um, coach them up and practice, let them play in games. And I think that there's a lot of that going on where I want to make one play, but wait a minute, coach is yelling at me, do something else. What am I doing? And in this game, a blink of an eye, a, 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 an open pass becomes a guarded pass and an open shot becomes a guarded shot. And um, you, you don't have time to just debated in your head you just got to go with the feel and what you see and i think that that distracts from that yeah i agree with all that uh Dur- duria i don't even know how to pronounce this is i asked this question is it realistic for k-state to fire bruce weber mid-season i don't personally see gene taylor doing that i think it'd have to get horrifically bad for him to do that now do i kind of hope that's the course if it's obvious where we're headed yeah i'm usually not a fan of mid-season firings but also getting the jump on Hiring would be nice, but give me your thoughts. Do you think there could be a midseason change here? There, it has to be something that justifies it. I mean, really justifies it. I, I'm not a fan of uh, midseason firings. I don't think it's going to happen midseason. I don't think it should happen midseason at all. Um, but at the same time, too, if 
for some reason, a candidate comes open um, or there's something that um, look toward, if you've made the decision that you're going to move past Bruce and you've got a fuse on something that's going to expire and you need to make a move, um, if, there's a, if there's a home run 100% guarantee out there that you need to make a move for and there's some type of timeline on it, then, yeah, you, you make that move. But I, I can't even give you a hypothetical as to why that under what circumstances that would occur. But the only way it should even be considered is if um, there, you know, you got the next uh, person in line and, and uh, for some reason you got to make a move now. Uh, I don't know what would cause you to do that, but I don't foresee it happening and I don't think it should happen. Yeah. I look, I, we keep an eye on, you know, we keep running hot lists of, of coaches. We, you know, we did it for years for football. And I'm not going to lie that for the last few years we've had a running one for basketball. And there is no one that, like, you better act right now or they're going to be gone. I mean, I, there's some good candidates, but it is an interesting question. Bottom line with Bruce is this. His players like him. Now, uh, that doesn't mean they'll be upset and, and throw a fit if he's fired or dismissed, but they like him. And he is, you know, for the most part, a really likable guy. He gets annoying at times for fans and, and anyone, but his intentions are good. He's not mean-spirited. He represents the school fine other than winning and losing. I, I just don't see Gene Taylor doing it. And also, um, you know, Chris Kleiman's made a fact, made a point of saying he hates these midseason firings on the football side, and I can't see Gene Taylor turning around Two months later, in firing a coach in midseason after his football coach has said it, I I just think it's a funny observation. But I think Bruce well, will finish out the year. I agree too, and, and you got to remember, you're going to go looking for someone. So the next person is going to take how you, coaching is a tight community, and the next person is going to look at how did you handle Bruce in this situation, and if you're firing in midseason, you know that's not going to look good to the next guy you want to hire. Yeah, you're right. T. Newman 41 wraps up the first half of the podcast with a question that, honestly, you might be equipped to answer better than a lot of people because you played during an era where fan apathy was you know, not at pretty high levels. Has fan apathy ever been this high for K-State basketball? What is needed to bring them slash us back? And it was bad, but to be honest, when you played and when Woldridge was here, the context has changed so much because of social media. It there, Social media gives fans so much more access to expressing their emotions that it's hard to say they're apathetic because they're mad. And they wouldn't be mad if they were apathetic. They'd be like, I don't even care anymore. So I, I don't know that it's apathy. And I do think it was apathy because – there's more cries for Weber to be removed now than, than I really recall for Asbury or Woldridge, but maybe that is a function of social media. Well, I think too, that um, the other thing that feeds into it is uh, when I was in school, you know, you're game away from playing for the national title in football and football was, you know, basketball was absolutely a secondary concern. I mean, uh, we practiced in the uh, rec center at times because, you know, we, couldn't find a court anywhere to have practice, you know, P five school having to practice in the school rec center. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, I, I have never seen apathy like this. And I want to, you know, Asbury 
teams um, deservedly. You know, he he struggled, particularly his um, right after he went to the NCAA tournaments would have been my sophomore year, so it would have been uh, you know ninety six ninety seven season, um, and then his last year, the uh, ninety nine two thousand season. My two years at K State, we won twenty games and went to the NIT two years, um, and uh, so when you're and, and Tom never had multiple years like um, like uh, like Bruce has had, and and you know I go back to Jim Wolveridge and you know we'll, Jim didn't get it done, but Jim doesn't get near the credit for re- help rebuilding this program um, that that he deserves. I mean, when he came in, he had the five-two rule. He didn't have jet service to Manhattan. He didn't have a practice facility. They took away the ability to charter recruits. You know, he had an AD that not only didn't like him but actively worked against him. Um, and still, you look at the roster he left Huggins to uh, 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 to, to take over, and then Huggins just build it from there, obviously, but there's no way that Huggins takes his job if the roster's in the same position it was when Jim took over. Um, so I, I think a long way to answer a short question is no, I've never seen fan apathy this bad. Um, and, and there are a lot of people who are upset without it about it. Um, and that's good because they care, but there's also a lot of people who are just like, eh, whatever. Um, you know, it's, if and and they view it rightly or wrongly, you know, if the athletic department doesn't care about it, why should I? Agreed. Look, we we all re- recognize that Wooldridge and Asbury had bad spells. There was stretches where the basketball wasn't very good. But if you stop and back up and look at the actual records, this team, this program right now, is performing at a level that is lower than any other level over a prolonged stretch of multiple years than any K-State team probably post-World War II, certainly post the building of Hearn Fieldhouse in the, in the 60s. I, I, I just don't see a program that even matches, uh, you know, the, what this program's doing right now. I mean, it's just awful, and I, I can't believe it's being accepted on any level because we, we just saw the program reach – much higher levels, much higher expectation. And Bruce has done the same thing by winning two Big 12 titles, which are notable. But that doesn't give you a free pass forever. I mean, you certainly can't win a Big 12 title and and then crash a program. Hell, at LSU, you couldn't win a national title in football and crash a program one year later. It took one and a half seasons to get their coach out. So I, I think in some ways K-State's been more than enough forgiving in this situation and we'll see what gene taylor does and we'll see what the rest of season holds maybe they wake up and rattle off a bunch of wins i don't see it but it could happen that's but it for that's the, but that's ahead. oh sorry no i was gonna say but that but that that's part of that's a huge problem that gene taylor has to face right let's say that this team finishes 7 11 or 6 and 12 and sneaks in as a 10 seed into the conference People aren't going to be excited about it. You're still going to have 2,500 people at Bramlage. I mean, it's not like people are going to just start selling out season tickets. So, you know, apathy is at such a low level that even if they went 10 and 8 this year and they won so many in a row to, to get to that point, I just – I just think people are done. They're tired of, of the debates. They're tired of the uh, up and down. They're just they're just done with it. And yeah, we'll watch, but I'm not going to invest in it. And if your fans aren't investing, that's a dangerous spot to be in. It reminds me of the one time I rode the old wooden roller coaster at uh, Worlds of Fun. 
and I can't think of the name of it. The Timberwolf. Uh, yeah, yeah, the Timberwolf. And I'm on it, and I'm like, hey, this is kind of fun. This had this was up and down and all around, and I got off it, and I'm like, well, that kind of sucked. That was brutal. You know, it's just I got beat up by the old wooden roller coaster, and as much fun as I had, I'm I'm not going back on it because my neck's sore, and that's where I feel like Kansas State basketball has become. It's just uh, I'm exhausted, and I think a lot of fans are out there are too, and we'll see what happens. That's it for the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast. I am Go Powercat publisher Tim Fitzgerald. He is our basketball analyst at Go Powercat, Jay Heydrich, joining us by phone, and we are sponsored by The Fridge. We will be right back. GoPowerCat.com's Powercat podcast continues after this short break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Our segment sponsors are Tanners and the High Low. And as I remind you every week, every time you come to Manhattan, Kansas, make sure you support our local businesses. We are a, a very strong local business community. We have great restaurants and bars. And, of course, the Fridge is an incredible liquor store. But whatever your choice of, of location is, downtown, Aggieville, west of town, Get into a local business. Please support our local entrepreneurs. And we are now rejoined by Jay Heydrich. And, Jay, I just realized that Zach Carlson has thrown us a curve here. We needed Missy. And if nobody doesn't understand, Missy Heydrich, the women's basketball analyst on radio and often TV for K-State, and by the way, your wife's really good at it, um, is uh, is Jay's much better half. Uh much better. We, we we thought about having her join us, but she had parenting responsibilities. Huh. Imagine Someone's that. have to be responsible because it's not going to be me. Right. That's the way I feel. Um, I'm like, okay, that's great. Um, but Zach has put together a women's basketball half for us since the women are doing quite well, even though it was a really disappointing loss to Iowa State on Tuesday night. Um, so we'll, you, you're very familiar with women. We'll 
fight through this. Purple Cheese starts us off with, is it fair to expect a top three finish in the Big 12 for the women, or is it too early? They're up there, aren't they? And and the fact that Baylor is taking a step back in case they just beat the Bears, or Lady Bears in this case, I think is a positive sign. K-State can finish in the top three, but they're going to have to stay attentive to their details because they lost sight of that just for a little bit against Iowa State and lost. Yeah, um, I think they can uh, for sure because Ioka Lee is just special. Um, you know, she – if she was a man, she'd be a, a top 15 draft pick going to make millions of dollars. And it's unfortunate that she's not going to have that opportunity to make that kind of money because she is a special, special player. Um, uh, but it, uh, when you, anytime you have a superstar, uh, you can build around, um, you have a shot in, in any game and, you know, Iowa state is, um, is, is, currently leading the league and they're, they're going to, they're just Bill Finley's year in, year out. He, he is, they are what they are. They, they shoot the ball. Well, they share the ball, they move it around, they guard you. Um, they're just a, a heady group of players. Um, but you know, Baylor is not your traditional Baylor. And, um, th- there's some other teams. Kansas is making a surprise run this year. It's a tough league on the women's side too, but I think K state, if they can get continue to get good guard play out of their young guards, um, uh, I think that they've got a shot. They, I think they had some addition by subtraction when they, when Chrissy Carr, uh, decided to transfer, um, you know, I, I'm not sure that she was uh, the best for the locker room. Um, and I think there were some other changes that were made. And kudos to Jeff for stepping up and, and, and changing some things on his roster and, and, and getting some new bodies in because uh, the, it's a completely different team this year. It really is. She's so fun to watch. And the next question is from Purple Cheese again. Is Aoka Lee a realistic candidate for the Big 12 Player of the Year? And i I got to be blunt here. I don't know enough about the the women's talent across the, the league, but she's as good a player as Kansas State has ever seen, and that is a bold statement considering the Weckers and Oldies and Canes and all of them that came before her because she's pretty darn good. Could she be or should she be the Big 12 Player of the Year? Um, I think she's a front runner right now. Yeah. Um, she's leading the league in scoring and rebounding. Um, maybe if not, she's definitely, um, uh, near the top in both of those. And the, the thing that, um, is so impressive about her is teams intentionally design their defenses and game plans to stop her. You know, what's coming. They're going to throw it to her and you just can't stop it. And what makes her special in my mind is, is her hands. Right. You know, she has got phenomenal hands. I mean, it's like she goes up to get a rebound and it's, it's not like she's grabbing it. It's like she's stabbing it with a fork. I mean, it's like she got stick them on her hands or something. Cause it just, the ball just comes to her. But then when she goes back up or she goes to make a move, it's just soft little butterfly shot that, kisses off the glass and goes in and um, she knows how to use her body. She's gotten herself in better physical shape. Uh, you know, she's um, uh, had the knee injury that uh, looks to be healthy. And so, yeah, I mean, she, she, she's a superstar. And I think that um, she's definitely the front runner to be big 12 player of the year. Yeah. It's really, her game is so well honed to what she can do because she has limitations. You can watch her play and, and recognize athletic jumping speed, all limitations, but she's so good at everything else. You don't even worry about those things. And I, I'm just amazed at the habits she has that so many big post players, men and women don't do. And my mom brought it up to me on a phone call and, and I watched Aoka. And I'm like, yeah, she's right. She never brings the ball down, Jay. 
She catches it high. No. She rebounds it high. It stays high. It stays out of trouble. The guards can't crash down and steal it from her. And then again, almost like Wayman Tisdale, you don't know how he's doing it, getting a shot off when, when he's got defense in his face, but she gets that shot up. Very rarely does it get disrupted. And more often than not, it goes in because she does have such a soft touch around the basket. It is fun to watch. Yeah. Um, and it is, that's a huge credit to her because that's one of the problems we see on the men's side quite a bit throughout the season, not only this season, but before as well is people trying to do, uh, what they can't do. And I'm a big believer in do what you know and know what you do. Um, and, uh, Lee, you know, she knows, she knows that she's not going to take anybody off the dribble. She knows that she's, um, not going to go around people on, on the perimeter. She's not going to be a three point shooter. She recognizes her strengths and she looks to the other side and said, literally says, this is what I'm going to do. See if you can stop me. And they haven't been able to stop her. That's really fun. Exhausted nihilist wants to know what areas of Aoka's game would you say she's improved on in the most? Um, I think her conditioning's gotten a lot yeah. better since she's been here, and um, because uh, as she's reached this superstar status in the conference, she's obviously been required to play more and more minutes. And when I say conditioning, I'm not just talking about her, you know, cardiovascular, her wind, her um, ability to not get winded, but also her just total strength and conditioning, you know, her legs are stronger. When you get to February and you're a student athlete, um, or even mid January, it, your body hurts, you know, and, and if you're, the more minutes you play, um, the more fatigued you become, not again, not just, I'm not talk, just talking about being winded in games. I'm talking about being able to just move. And I think that she's done a really, really good job of improving her body. And as a bigger kid, you know, um, uh, utilizing her, her, uh, her size, but also also recognizing that um, she needs to keep her um, body in shape to, uh, to be able to handle her size because otherwise things start breaking down and injuries happen. And I think she's done a really good job of being disciplined and uh, being focused on that, and that's really helped her greatly. Uh, years ago, I used to say, that just to help men out that watch women's basketball, take their height and add eight inches. And it'll translate to men's basketball. I don't think that's true anymore. I think women are just skewing taller and taller. I mean, K-State's basically got a six-foot lineup for the most part. Um, So I don't know if that's accurate anymore. But at 6'6", she's a very big, tall female player. And you kind of have to adjust your way of thinking. You watch her go, go up and down the court. But what if she was a 7'2 guy with mass? The foot speed and the jumping would make more sense, but the dominance around the rim would also translate for the male brain. And that's the way I see her game. And, yeah, she's like like Davion Bradford on the men's side. In shape, pretty good. Out of shape, not nearly as good. And and the bigs just have to be so careful with that. Uh, And he also wants to know, Exhausted Nihilus, what are her WNBA draft prospects? I think she's a surefire lock on the first round. Um, depending on what team needs her type of game. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I've heard some things about potentially the league expanding, um, mm-hmm. as well too, which will obviously help her in that regard. But I think she's a first round, uh, pick as well. Um, and you know, they're going to want to know, um, they're going to do their homework on her knee, you know, and be able to, 
uh, see, you know, how, how is that going to stand up? And the fact that she hasn't had any problems with it, I think is a good sign, uh, since her freshman year. Uh, but that's, you know, the, the medical side is something she, they're going to be, they're going to be looking at from, but from a skill standpoint, you know, I think that she, she's going to have, she's going to have a role there You know, the WNBA. I don't admittedly, I don't watch a lot of it, yeah. but, um, it, it, it is a lot. I, I'm, I'm interested to see how her game translates to the WNBA because, that is much more of a fast-paced, perimeter-based. Uh, even your big, even your big players um, uh, are perimeter-oriented and can move and, and slash and cut. But you know, um, there, there's definitely going to be a role for her. I think. Okay, exhausted Nihilus is going to bring us down the home stretch here. And does this K-State team remind you of a past K-State women's team? And I. I don't see it because Nicole Oldie, they used to have a dominant big, but she got up and down the court really well, and they kind of you know, got into the open court quite a bit more than this team because you honestly got to wait for Aoka to get there to set up an offense. I don't see the comparison. Do you see one? Uh, to like the Wecker, Kane, Oldie teams? Well, that's got to be about it, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I would compare it more towards uh, Claire Coggins' senior year when they yeah. won the WNIT. Um, that, that oldie Wecker, um, Mahoney, uh, uh, Kane team. Yeah. They, that team would beat this team 10 out of 10 times. And six of those would be by double digits. I mean, that team was just stacked with players and this team has one superstar on it. That team had three. Um, you know, when you look at Megan Mahoney, someone who I think should have serious consideration for her number to be hanging in the rafters, um, when, when you look at where she stands, when you look at her as the third or fourth option on that team, um, you know, she, she, she think, of, think of what she would be like on this team right now. And she was the fourth option on that team. Um, yeah, so I, I, I don't find that comparison valid, um, but may, maybe Claire's senior year when they won the WNIT, I can see that as a, as a better comparison. If you want to compare it to that era, and this isn't a slight towards Coach Jeff Mitty in any way, Emily Ryan would not be at Iowa State. She'd be in Manhattan because they kept all those, all those players, for the most part, were staying at home and, during that time. And it was just a unique phase of Kansas high school girls basketball in which so much talent was being cranked out in comparison to, you know, the talent pool nationwide. I just, it was very and, interesting. And we, and we talk about, Missy and I talk about that a lot is, you know, one of the things that if I was going to be critical of Jeff is, you know, he, he's got to decide what brand of basketball he wants to play. Mm-hmm. Does he want to play up and down in your face athletes, or does he want to play more like an Iowa state where we're going to really share the ball, um, you know, move it around, still play up and down, but, um, but we're, we're going to focus on um, shot making ability and we may not be the most athletic team, but um, we're going to, uh, uh, we're, we're going to play a game that we're not going to beat ourselves. We're not going to make dumb mistakes. And, and we're going to be fundamentally sound. You know, I, I, we talk about the men's team not having an identity. And I think that the women's team has suffered that for some time as well, too. And I, I think that that's one thing that Deb did a really good job of. She said, you know, this is how we're going to play. And these are the kids we're going to recruit. And there were a lot of times where, you know, they just 
they lost games because the other team, the other side had better athletes, but she won two big 12 titles because she, even if teams had more athletes, she probably had better basketball players. And particularly in the women's game, skill matters. Mm-hmm. Um, skill really matters. And if you can get some really skilled kids, um, you can get by with less athleticism. I think that's, you know, but, but you, you got to make a decision. You can't have, you know, half your roster be skill kids and half your roster be at super athletes. And then, you know, you're, you're not really doing anything at that point. You're just, you're just kind of in between. I think Jeff's got to make a decision on where he wants to go with that. I'd agree with all that. I, I mean, the men's and women's games are so completely different for the most part because the women are playing below the rim and the men above the rim in, in general. Um, so yeah. they just get defined differently. And I think, a lot of fans do appreciate the skills put on display in a women's game because it's kind of more basic fundamental basketball, maybe like it was when we were growing up and, you know, I'm a slow kid that can't jump very high in Salina, Kansas. And I had to be able to dribble and shoot and, and, and know how to defend and position my body and rebounds. And now the men's game is so much is about, um, sure. They, they have to learn to defend, but it's just so much instinctive, street basketball at times that it's just hard to define that you know any similarities really between the men's and women's game exhausted nihilist wraps us up with can you compare this women's team to a men's team in the past and how they play and i i'm gonna forfeit this question because kansas state men's basketball hasn't had a center this dominant since boozer and par i mean honestly have they am i missing someone in there i I mean, and no, and it's and it's and it's a tough comparison because uh, of the differences in the games um, and how and how they focus on it. Give me give me a comparison to this K State team to any men's team. Um, show me show me what men's team has a dominant you know back to the basket center like uh, like Ioka Lee is, um, and as opposed to just your general huge athlete that gets up and down. Some of them do, um, you know, I'm not going to say that it's, um, that it's completely devoid, but you know, it, the, the men's and women's games are just so different that it's, it's really hard to, uh, to compare, um, uh, men's and women's teams to, to each other. She's Luis Cologne with a high level of offensive skill sets and no right hook. That's basically it. I mean, she, she yeah. kind of gets up and down the court the same way, and she's a physical presence. Uh, but she has, as you said, those incredible hands. And uh, I just – I'm astonished in watching her, how good her hands are. And I, as a basketball person, I stop and wonder, what did she do in her youth? What sports did she play for a, a big person to develop those kind of hands? Because we don't see it on the men's side that often either, to have really good hands. Uh, but, boy, she does. It's fun to watch. Well, she, she, she came from Byron, Minnesota, and my father-in-law uh, was coaching against her a lot uh, at that time. Oh, wow. And in, in high school, you know, she, she was obviously a good player, but, you know, when, when she said she was going to K-State, there was a lot of people who thought, you know, man, that may be, you know, over her, over her head. And, wow, has she proven everybody wrong in that regard? You know, <laughs> she, is, she, is, she, is th- she has thrived at K-State. It's probably good hands from playing basketball outside in the winter and wearing gloves. Up yeah, Minnesota. when you when you, but when you can't feel your hands and you have to catch the ball, um, it, it makes it much easier when you have actual feeling and no frostbite on. I, I don't think Lou Cologne could ever feel his hands the way he's got the ball. <laughs> I don't think that ever happened. 
<laughs> Jay, well, my, uh, my favorite. Go my, ahead. My, my favorite was uh, uh, when Brad Underwood asked him, you know, because every time they get a foul, right, they put their hands on like, what are you talking about? And Brad would always go, you got your hands on backwards. <laughs> what, what, what's the problem here? You got your hands on backwards all the time because you have no idea what's going on. Oh, my gosh. Jay, I appreciate it a ton. Um, good stuff. We will we will do this again. Um, hopefully, I'll be out of quarantine um, so I can have other guys in here with you on the phone. But uh, I appreciate you joining us. And uh, just a final thought on the men's side. I don't know what to expect from this team on Saturday against Texas Tech, that the Red Raiders are so good. They're coming off huge wins. And yet, this is the frustrating thing about this men's program. If they beat Tech, I I wouldn't be surprised. He's done it almost every year, beating someone that you just can't imagine. Not really last year because of all the stuff that went on, but his teams rise up and knock off a number one or a Kansas and Bramlage and Makes you feel good for a moment, but it's going to take a lot more than that this season, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think that the teams where he's lot risen up and done that, I thought it had more firepower. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they had the ability to score the ball. They had some people who could go get their own shots. Uh, we just don't have that. Uh, we just if Tech is going to come in and they are going to pick you up when you get off the bus. And they're going, when they, when you walk in, when they walk into Bramlage, tech's going to punch them in the throat. And those kids are tough. Um, they share the ball. Uh, they, it may not be the prettiest, um, all the time, but they get it done. And they have some guys who can, who can make shots. They play within their system. They're disciplined. They're, they're basically everything that we're not right now. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that there's zero chance that we can win this game. And, you know, Bruce does seem to always step up and, and, uh, knock one off, but, you know, tech is the real deal. And we just, we don't, we don't play the type of game. Tech is not the team that you can go out and expect to beat, um, with, you know, chucking and ducking threes, you know, and we saw that against West Virginia, you know, we're up 13, in the first half, cause we were shooting the ball. Well, but I'm not sure that we were running great offense, but we were making shots. When you make shots, that's great. But you know, one thing that is, it's called the law of averages for a reason. Um, and you're, you're, you're going to sink back down to it. And it, you just have to be so disciplined against tech and you have to be ready to just grind it every possession. And I'm not sure that we have the squad or the system to do that. You know, when watching this team, I'm reminded of a quote from your former assistant coach, Bob Hansen, um, who went at a catbacker event was once asked, did you go out and get more shooters this year? And he said, we've got plenty of shooters. We need more makers. And I yep. thought that we need much, more makers. We pretty much sums up K State basketball right now. Yeah, I'll, I'll take someone who will set a screen, cut, pass the ball, reverse it, um, and, and then and, and then a shot. You know, we don't even need to make. I just need all that other stuff before. Yep, I agree with you. Let's let's get away from running down and chucking up a three in the first ten seconds of the shot clock. My uh, my favorite was someone said, uh, "Can we put a flashing yellow light on Ish because everything's green right now?" <laughs> that's so true jay appreciate it very much this has been the power cat questions podcast sponsored by the fridge wholesale liquor we appreciate you listening and we'll be back next week with another edition and hopefully the whole gang will be able to resume seeing their boss because i think they probably miss me Uh, i know they do they have to (laughs) thank you for listening to the power cat podcast 
Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com. Thank you.